Distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Okay, I feel like we just, I think we just need to get this out of the way really quick because, oh, nothing has happened in the last 30 minutes in the hockey world. Um, to wrap up last week, I asked, what is the most petty off season training? I don't know what. That could be added to the CBA just to piss teams off. Ping pong. Hockey sack. Oh, ooh, soccer. Warm up soccer. Mm-hmm. There it is. Mm-hmm. See, I was going to go with uh, take improv classes to help with interviews. Uh, <laughs> acting classes to help with interviews. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of those guys need that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes PR just sometimes they're not given enough credit and sometimes they just get in their way a bit too much. So how about the Arizona Coyotes? (laughs) That was quick. (laughs) There's no point dwelling on anything else considering that, you know, as we record this at one o'clock Pacific daylight time on Sunday, whatever, 35th of February in Corona 2019. Um, NHL source John Chica is a liar and a quitter. <laughs> oh, God. I love how, and I've said this already on Twitter and, and to you guys, but I love how, like, employers always take employees quitting so personally and of course if you're really unhappy with your employer you're going to quit at the worst possible time for them if you can (laughs) so you know and hockey's like he didn't just just let us like you know fire him and finish out the rest of his his contract like any anybody else he he quit on us can you believe that he quit like grow up (laughs) how much is chica should he still be employed actually going to matter affect the you know the the future of the existing coyotes roster as they get ready to play in a play-in series how much impact is he really going to have none well no that's not the point though no the but point did, is that he quit yeah it wasn't it wasn't i mean the timing yeah okay well they thought it was a bad time but i mean you know reality like you said it, it whatever but but no in hockey that's like the worst possible insult you don't quit you wait until you're fired like who walks away from a contract you know uh, uh someone with skills like not a hockey man per se, like someone who 
I don't know, may have built a company from the ground up at one point before getting this job. Uh, I'm going to make really painful noises over here. Cause, uh, sure, uh, sure, uh, well, I, I, I'm not saying he should be credited for the success of said company. I'm just saying he did it. He did a thing, which is more than a lot of uh, players turned general managers can say in their life. Looking at you, Brett Hall. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you look at Craig Tavish? Anyway, um... wait, he was the GM too. I can't remember. He's held so many job titles in that organization. Well, that's, that, uh, that's exactly right, because yeah. that's basically they just gave him everything except owner at one point. I even think he was um, chief cook at the executive grill at one point. <laughs> it may have been. It may have been him who came up with the Bobby Nix burger. I can never remember. Uh, maybe it was his idea to add all that bacon. Oh. Okay, that's a good show. I've got no bacon urge. I must go satisfy it. Thanks, Pat. Hey, better I get you focused on that than anything else that happened this week. What else happened this week? I don't know, but let's focus on this Chica thing for oh, a few okay. Why did the announcement come out? I guess because teams are traveling to their respective hubs today, but apparently he put in his notice 48 hours ago. Well, it's it's it's. <laughs> There's even more of a backstory than that. <laughs> Apparently, according to sources on Twitter, um, he had requested to interview with um, a non-hockey entity, and um, the Coyotes allowed him to. And then when he was offered the job, the Coyotes, the Coyotes wouldn't release him. Yes, as of, according to uh, Craig Morgan, who's kind of started his own thing since leaving the Athletic, excuse me, being fired by the Athletic, um, he said this happened about six weeks ago. And he has another source that says none of that was true. So this is very much a big he said, she said. And as I have always found with these, the truth is generally somewhere between the two things. Mm-hmm. So I believe he probably did say, hey, I'd like to go, you know, explore this opportunity or talk to these people about an opportunity. And they said, no. And he said, why? I've done it in the past. And it's because it's a new ownership group. They said, we don't like that. Because, because he. It, Apparently signed a contract extension just months previous. Well, yeah, but this, yeah, I mean, that was that the ownership group that gave him that extension, or was it the prior group? I think it was the current ownership. It was the it, new it group, was right? The current owner, yeah, okay. but not the current CEO and president. Oh, okay. Not oh, his that, guy. Okay, that's right. I knew there was a change in there somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not his guy. Well, <laughs> If you're going to not his guy him, then just can him. I agree. Right. Hey, you know what? John wanted to explore this other opportunity. We felt it was the right time to let him go. This is more than, this is something else. This is mudslinging. 
I mean, the Coyotes statement literally said, you know, he quit on us. And that's mudslinging. And he's a liar and he's a quitter, according to Craig Morgan's sources. Well, I'm, I'm just I'm just going straight by the PR from the Coyotes. I mean, that's right. a press release from a corporation that basically didn't even honk. They just saw him in the middle of the street and they said, there, bus, go get him. Chica, you know, he, he gave his, you know, PR talk saying, you know, I enjoyed my time here, did worked as hard as I could, and came out and said, sadly, the situation created by ownership made that impossible. Basically, right. You know, so making the team damn. Also, he this is all he intends to say for now, but a fuller, more detailed explanation may be necessary in the near future. <laughs> so he he he's he's got a couple scoops that you know any enterprising reporter in Arizona be ready to jump on. Mm-hmm. The amount of crap ready to fall out of of these two entities closets for each other is just going to be magnificent <laughs> and sad and just another nail in the coffin of that franchise you know that has just been the backside of every joke for the last 20 some odd years so how red is that right now hmm? how red is what how red is batman right now like he already dislikes any announcements made during playoffs under normal circumstances but we're less than seven days out before you know games that count begin again and he's got to listen to this garbage and everybody's reporting to their hubs today mm-hmm. i mean for both parties, this was kind of the perfect time to drop this. I mean, it's just, yeah, if there's one word you don't say about anybody in hockey because of hockey, it's that dirty, dirty Q word. And and that that release just dropped it twice. Bang. John Chaika has quit as general manager. Club is disappointed in his timing. I mean, I am a sugar. Chaika yeah. has chosen to quit on a strong and competitive team, a dedicated staff, and the greatest fans in the NHL. I mean, two of these things are true and one's a lie. We'll let you figure out which one's which. Um, <laughs> And you know what the best part of this is? Taylor Hall is flying back to Edmonton today, presumably. What the hell is he thinking? I don't think he cares right now. Because the owners are the one that have gone to him to talk about contract extension. They, they, Taylor Hall's basically at, at that point with the Arizona Coyotes where... He's going to be dealing with the the people that sign the checks, not the guy who gets other people to sign the checks. Yeah, he he. From what I gather, he seems to want 
stability, both in terms of, you know, his compensation, but also the franchise and the team he ultimately signs with. Is this make him more or less confident based on, you know, whatever skeletons are, haven't been released to the public yet? Well, I mean, here's the thing, though, is that, is that hockey operations side is very different from the rest of the organization. So, like, the rest of the organization, I'm sure, is looking at this thinking, I don't know if I want to still work here. <laughs> you know? I know I would be. If I were in if I were in that front office, I'd be looking around going, uh, maybe I should be polishing up my resume because that, 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 no. Mm-mm. Didn't like that press release, the owner's release. That was, no, this is not going to go well. I think I need to go. Hockey, on the other hand, the hockey operations side, they're more likely to shrug it off as, well, that doesn't that doesn't apply to us. Yeah. Like, Paul Fenton or Tim Murray, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Fenton or Tim Murray, who who will actually take this job out of desperation? Nobody. I think because, Sullivan just gets it permanently. Yeah, I think it's, so. It's probably the only way to go. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I don't think I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna look first of all, and second of all, even if they do, I don't know that a lot of people are going to apply. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you were the first to point that out. Like, you're really like, you might as well close, you know, your mailbox for good, Coyotes, because who's going to want to apply for this position other than someone desperate to get back in after well and that just that you know outside of a diversity and i I say the word diversity hire not meaning to be derogatory but outside of finding a person of color or a woman who has not been given a chance to take the reins you know like somebody from the ahl or even one of the the european leagues um, is there anybody in the current waiting pool of of recycled GMs that you would really want that's available today, right? I mean, because we all know we just, you know, re- reduce, reuse, recycle because the NHL is the greenest environment because we <laughs> never bring in anything new, right? We just reduce, reuse, recycle. Do you want a Fenton? I think at this point they're they're probably going to be looking around thinking like ownership if they don't keep Sullivan is they're going to be looking around going we need a hockey man because clearly Chica wasn't a hockey man and look what happened we need a hockey man there and therein lies the other problem right and I think we've touched on this before is because he's these owners and the the president of these companies tend not to be quote unquote hockey people. Who do they generally turn to to ask for advice about who to hire? Right, other owners in the league. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, but don't don't ask the Pagulas that. <clears throat> oh, hell, you know what? Why not take a chance on Botterill? He says after making jokes about would you want anybody that's actually out there? No, I wouldn't. You know, I. Given that they are a minority-owned franchise now, right? I think it's a prime opportunity for them to 
I mean, even if they take the interim tag off of Steve Sullivan, go hire a female or or indigenous or black person as an assistant GM for him. You know? Hell, go see if Mike Greer or Anthony Stewart, you know, wants to come in and start doing this kind of work. That's the only way they could win in a PR battle here. And of course, the other the outside perception of that, should they choose to hire a non-hockey, a white hockey man, is well, they couldn't hire a white hockey man, so they had to settle for. I don't. Which isn't out, always the Steve case. Simmons, but yeah. Outside of Steve Simmons, I don't see anyone making that argument. <laughs> Because I think, by and large, the vast majority of hockey fans are like, oh, retreads, you know? Right. Oh, goody, because this guy had... so You know, you see it all the time, and, in in, you know, so-and-so was fired as the GM of such-and-such such team. Six months later, he's the new GM of this team, and, and invariably, there's a set of tweets or memes or something showing what a... a a sarcastically wonderful job said person did in their last, you know, opportunity. So and and who they know in their current, uh, in their new yeah the the nepotism chain yeah huh. oh, God. so I'm I'm currently looking at kind of the um, club directory basically everyone that works. Maybe this was kind of a last minute thing because uh, the Coyotes have not completely, you know, erased Chica from their website yet. And other than speaking of nepotism, uh, the owner's son being the strategic advisor for business and hockey operations there isn't exactly like an executive VP of hockey ops outside of whomever the general manager was. Would now be a good time for someone like a Kevin Weeks to be that be that person between the ownership group and hockey operations, a la Brendan Shanahan. Because when his name was kind of kicked around, when you know the Buffalo saga happened god that was probably just two weeks ago but it felt like an eternity and when you listen to to week speak he seems much more suited at least from my perspective to kind of be that figurehead of a, a hockey department not to say he couldn't be the gm i have no idea but he's got the relationships clearly he's still involved in the game even as an analyst, he, he he knows what he's talking about, but I think he's better suited for you know having the big seat upstairs rather than doing the day to day work. But I don't want to lose him on TV because he is awesome. No. But well, if you, he wants to get into a front office, we should support that too. If he wants to, yes. That's provided you can find him on your you know television program or uh, service provider of, of choice or lack of choice. <sighs> I don't want to lose Kevin Weeksy. 
I don't think he would. I think he's beholden to the East Coast, so I, I, I think he's safe for now. Yeah, just... I look at, you know, guys like Joel Ward and Mike Greer, and and even though he hasn't officially retired yet, you gotta wonder about Devontae Smith-Pelly. You know, those are guys that were unbelievably intelligent not just as hockey players, but even off the ice. And, you know, provided they're not entrenched into some sort of luxury travel agency. Business that they're starting up in the middle of a global pandemic. I think they'd be absolutely magnificent hires, not just for Coyotes, but for any franchise hell. I had to drop that. Mm-hmm. Didn't Pronger finish his career as a Coyote? He hasn't retired yet. <laughs> oh, God. He still has not officially retired. Is he? Is he being paid by someone? Uh, not is he still on any... someone's payroll. Yeah, his wife's. <laughs> um, no, I no. Meant, uh... <laughs> no, I believe his contract. Uh, expired on June 30th. So he is no longer employed by any NHL enterprise. He's a he's a free agent since he hasn't retired. <laughs> that is correct. Mm-hmm. God. But I uh, last team to quote unquote pay Chris Bronger was the Arizona Coyotes. Oh yeah, yeah. Because when he got traded there, I I, I photoshopped a um a uh, banner for his jersey retirement as part of the Coyotes, along with um Pavel Datsuk's. You know, and, and you just gotta wonder how could they have not won you know any Stanley Cups in that time with that team. Dotsuk and Pronger and man, what a club! Mm-hmm. I mean, since Wait, no, it, no, go ahead, Cassie. I was gonna say, wasn't Pronger being paid by like three teams though? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, or had he kind of phased that out gradually, season after season? <laughs> <clears throat> not that it matters at this point I was just curious no I think he was only being if I remember the deal I think his entire contract went, I mean he was on LITR or LTIR you know long long injury term reserve <laughs> LTIR when they when the Flyers traded him for the cap relief to the Coyotes. So I don't think they I don't think they retained anything. No, but they did retain salary on Nicholas Grossman, the player who went the also went with Pronger to the Coyotes. Okay. So, so. well, yeah, Grossman only had like a year or two left or something like that on his deal. 
So it wasn't a big deal. No. So no, I think he was never. I don't. I don't think he had that weird one like um. Uh, Le Cavalier had. Oh God! <laughs> Talk about the luckiest man alive when it comes to contract buyouts. Jeez. <laughs> <sighs> on the on the books for the Lightning, on the books for the Flyers, and on the books for the Kings. Yeah, that was awesome. You know, it is no Phil Kessel, but hey. Oh God! Oh, that's right. He's on the hook on two teams now, isn't he? Toronto and Pittsburgh. Well, yeah. technically, yeah, and Three. Arizona's paying him too. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. Huh. <laughs> Actually, Pitt, Pittsburgh is no longer paying Phil Kessel. So it's, oh. just, it's just Arizona and Toronto. How can it only be Arizona and Toronto? Did they ship the... Well, Galchaniuk went the other way. And... Oh, they didn't retain on Kessel. That's right. So Toronto, yes. the only, Toronto's the only one that had any retention on Kessel. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So are we done with Phoenix yet? <laughs> Why, Cassie? What do you want to move on to? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing okay. else happened this week. Just, you know, Good. curious. Except for a player speaking his mind to the media. I, I, well, I, there's that, too. Yeah, Corey Crawford. Just uh, magically, if you can't tell, listeners, I'm trying to delay something as long as possible. <laughs> Why, Pat? Uh, no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey Crawford tested positive for COVID uh, at least three or four weeks ago. So sometime during phase two. Yep. Yeah, but he just add him to the list of everyone else that, or the numbers of other players and staff that tested positive during phase two, right? Because right. that, if it was phase two, that was also when Matthews was leaked to have tested positive. Oh, he is not one of the two apparent positive tests. No, that the the two apparent positive tests were in phase three. Correct. Because- That's what I'm saying. If if Crawford tested positive in phase two. That's when all those big scary numbers were coming out. Like the Habs had nine people test positive. The the Lightning had six. You know, that's when all of those numbers were coming out, and we were making jokes that yeah. But since they've entered phase three, we've only had two because all of these other people got rid of it and didn't spread it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, the NHL wouldn't fudge numbers, would they? And or fa- false positives, which was apparently an issue, I think, with Montreal. Now, that may have been just one player in particular and not the whole group of whatever it was, nine. But at least, you know, the NHL can say they're not mess. They're not going to bungle this up any more than Major League Baseball, where... Guys are playing games after testing positive. <clears throat> At least uh, that's the idea, right? <laughs> well, it's cut, like we said last week, Cassie, we'll never know who that these players tested positive, but the news gets out in baseball. Well, I mean, especially since 
they have no media inside the bubble other than their three NHL.comer type writers. God, nothing really happened last week, did it? Uh-uh. Just another, <sighs> just another show of us staring at our navels. <laughs> I, I get the concern from the PHWA, but let's not pretend it's their sole focus in life to be true journalists and newsbreakers 100% of the time. I mean, you know, without access, how else would Steve Simmons be able to get his story where he compared oh, yeah. Compared <laughs> somebody to, to uh, Mario Lemieux's leukemia comeback and also to a fictional Nazi. I mean... That's the kind of story. Those are the kind of um, hard-hitting, hard-hitting, accurate, fact-checked, unbiased views that we'd be missing. I mean, it would depend on which which uh, members of the media got cleared for that. Obviously, <laughs> um, but on the other hand, you know, without any outside media. In the bubble, the NHL has free reign to do whatever they want, basically. I mean, you know, the NHL.com guys can't even write the word concussion in their stories. So, uh, if so, I were the NHLPA, I would have insisted upon having three vetted members of the media being in the bubble, PWHA guys. Just for that reason alone. But, I mean... Again, it would depend entirely upon which member of the media was part of that, too. So, sorry, Pat. I'm going to throw this out here. And and this is because I just like doing this stuff sometimes. <laughs> but is that good? It's a little, yeah, a little devil's advocate-y. Um, who's on the hook for responsibility should any one of those people in the bubble contract the virus and require medical attention. Right? They're not NHL employees. They've not signed off as part of the NHLPA. Right. I mean, it would have to be right. liability so would have to be on the, right. the employers of the, of the media who got in. Right. And that brings up a whole different wrangle of lawyers, doesn't it? I'm not justifying it, I'm just saying. these. <laughs> I'm not telling you what I heard, I'm just telling you what I saw. Um, <laughs> this is the kind of crap that tends to go around. And, I, and I'm only doing this because the company I work for currently has a situation where if you are a hardship case, they are allowing you to come back into the office provided you meet these guidelines and you have to sign a waiver every day that you go in indicating that you have self-isolated, you've kept distance, you do this, you do that, and also that you've not been in contact with anyone who's had COVID in the past, you know, like three months or something like that. So they're trying to distance themselves from any liability in that situation. Now, mm -hmm. if they put the same, same 
type of thing in place for these non-NHL.com media people, what kind of uproar you think there would be? I think, again, it would depend entirely upon who got in and their players. And, and, And then you get guys like our lovely friends, you know, Jim Matheson and Steve Simmons complaining that they weren't invited in. Right. Well, you I know, mean, yeah, you that, always get the sour grapes from, right. especially those guys. You know, it was only Stephen Wino and and Josh Yoey and Aaron Portsline that were let in. Well, maybe because they write, you know, fairly well and do balanced pieces and are just attack hacks. But, you know, it's I get, like you said, Pat, I get the sentiment. I think they're making more of it than it's actually there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I do also see the, hey, great, now we've just got our own propaganda machine writing stories where we can't say the C word. The best argument I heard for letting a basically getting the lawyers involved and finding a situation where you can let a pool reporter, someone who inevitably offers their services to any number of publications that are interested in covering. And comparing the NBA and NHL is kind of stupid here, but, and it's stupid because the number of people traveling from each team in the NBA is significantly less than the NHL. So like the NBA in terms of raw numbers is dealing with fewer people and they are not dealing with the Canadian government and their restrictions. So it's much easier for them to allow 17 credentialed reporters into their bubble. But the NBA does print money. And any chance the NHL has to potentially increase revenue without some sort of long-term contract should be something that they should be taking full advantage of. Yeah, I just the, I don't think this is a situation where having access or where being inside the bubble is going to provide any more access to anything because they're still not going to be able to go hang out in the locker room and chit-chat on game day with the players. Yeah. Right? So, uh, to me, that's sort of uh, that's sort of a moot point. Well, and like, they're also going to be at games anyway, sitting correct. in the stands. The right. one thing that hasn't really been broached, like there are a couple U.S.-based reporters who have already traveled to Edmonton or Toronto so that they could do their full 14-day quarantine period to meet, you know, Canadian government and health department guidelines. They'll be in the arenas during games. They just can't watch practice yeah. at practice facilities, which, honestly, practice in the playoffs is somewhat negligible, and I don't it's, see relationships drying up in this that, two-month period. I, I don't see them getting better, but they're not going to get worse, right? No. Well, the concern, the concern by the, by the PWHA mostly is they're afraid that they're not going to get the access back when they when COVID is 
is contained. The, yeah, in, you know, next season, whenever that may be, it's going to be the same deal, and they won't be able to like do what they used to do. The slippery slope, right? You know, they're they're because they because this whole notion that, and I've heard this too. You know, a bunch of teams won't allow you access into the room after games. They'll bring players out to you, but they never said anything about did they allow access to players. You know, during game days, you know, morning skate or team, you know, anytime else that the press is there. I I get the slippery slope concern, but let's also, you know, talk to the league and say, hey, guys, you know, we understand there's a global pandemic and this is probably in everyone's best interest as far as safety goes and making sure that we can all finish this but this is not going to happen after there's a after there's a vaccine or we've eradicated this right 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 well i think that pwha just they don't understand that it's a symbiotic relationship that the nhl gets as much out of it as the media does and so even though the um, the media is concerned about this. The reality is the NHL needs that press anyway. You know, they need the human interest stories. They need the stupid little, like, incessant questions that are constantly asked over and 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 over, and over again. Um, and so... Even though the NHL would love to completely control the message at all times, the reality is they would miss out on the publicity that they get from the media. Why? So Steve Mayer did a pretty interesting interview with Merrick and Friedman that was released kind of out of the blue, I guess, late Friday night. And he talked about in kind of planning and setting up bubbles, and he's currently working in Edmonton. Like, they essentially had three days to get things really built. Like, they planned, they negotiated, but once everything was kind of written into contracts and they got access to facilities, they really created their little, you know, bubble diagrams and said, these are places you can or can't go. So I think from a logistics standpoint, they just didn't have time to get people or or even be able to factor how do we get, you know, outside people because the league already has apparently a hundred people in place and divided between the two uh, bubbles, for lack of a better term. But literally all it would take would be a statement from Bettman or Daly saying you know, we appreciate and understand the concerns of the PW, the PH, uh, professional, uh, the PHWPA, MOUSE, and we appreciate, you know, what they do for this league, and we can assure you that, you know, once we were able to return safely into in-arena games and so forth, that we will, you know, gladly welcome them to return to doing their jobs as Exactly as they did before. That's it. But the league doesn't have to, and therefore they won't. 
Yes. And they probably haven't even thought about it. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, there's the other thing. You can accuse them of being incompetent and you can accuse them of being malicious, but you can't accuse them of, and you can accuse them of being stupid, but you can't accuse them of all three at the same time. <laughs> right? Okay, that's it. That just blew my mind. I don't think I can, <laughs> what? <laughs> what was that again? You can accuse them of being incompetent, you can accuse them of being malicious, you can accuse them of being stupid, but you can't accuse them of all three at the same time. No, that's not right. That can't be right. <laughs> sure can. No. Yeah. no, no for for an entire it. as an individual, yes. As an organization, no. Hmm. I don't know if I can believe that. Okay. So <laughs> in all the complaints and kind of you know, snide comments about the individual content creator from each individual club and the league. If the league doesn't put together some sort of very poorly produced version of a 24-7 life in the bubble, maybe we could call them all three. I don't think they'd be malicious in that aspect. But producing something that, say, Sportsnet and NBCSN can air in between, like, 30-minute blocks that they could air in between games so we don't have to listen. Because Milbury's going to be on site, so he's not going to be talking to Jonesy, you know, in games. So... Ugh, poor John Forslund for having to deal with that. Ugh. Oh, dear God, you had to open that can of worms, didn't you? Yep, see what I did? Uh, uh. God. Look. Is it? Oh, boy. Tying your television broadcast play-by-play guy's salary to attendance figures? That's just wrong. Uh, on so many different levels. On so many different levels. Like he has any control over that. Maybe if I called the game better, people would stop listening to me on television and go to the game in person? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Here, here are the, I think, three things I will say about this. Forslund was done wrong. Big time. Forslund does not generate any revenue for the team. I disagree somewhat. Uh, Keep going. Keep going with your third. We'll come back. That might have to be an off-air conversation. But number three is... Forslund does have a stature above anyone else not involved in hockey ops directly in the organization. Yep. But why did every other single person in the organization sign to a new contract except for John Forslund? Because as he said, and this is again, you know, he said, he said, she said, or he said, the other guy said, he did the numbers and it didn't add up for him. And sometimes that is life and it sucks, but yeah, because Forslin will only be out of work as long as he wants to be. Well, technically, he, he's not out of work, right? He's working for NBC, too. Technically, he is working for NBC. 
there is still, you know, let's things could miraculously change, but he is he is closing the door on coming oh, back in my opinion. He, I, I, uh, the interviews that I've heard with him on the on the Two Man Advantage podcast, it's basically the door's closed. Yeah, he bolted it and tossed the keys to the real estate agent and walked away from it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, he should have left a couple of years ago because he he could take the number one gig from Doc Emmerich anytime he's ready. Should he want to be the national guy should. and get paid? Like Doc, you know, want to go? Well, given the current environment, like we have not seen a full broadcast schedule and full list of who will be calling games for NBC yet. Oh have we? God, no. I just know Forslund. Forslund said he was doing games out of Toronto. He is. He is. So NBC will be producing. And have people on site in Toronto. I don't know if they will just take the Sportsnet simulcast when they air no, games from Edmonton. They won't. Oh, for yes, yes, for the west for the Western games, yes, yes. And then eventually, should they get that far, someone like Forsland will travel to Edmonton. I don't see anyone calling games from a monitor for the national broadcasts. But is Doc Emmerich in a position where he can travel and do everything? Like, I ha- I haven't seen that question broached. I haven't seen any comments from him. We just don't know. Well, yeah. But I want to go back to your second point in your list really quick. John Farsland doesn't generate revenue for the team. Oh. I may know a thing or two about their current television contract. Okay, so so there's the deal, right? Yeah. If their if their TV deal is set up in such a way that ratings and ad revenues aren't coming in the way they should be to the organization, then yeah, I can see where he directly would not be generating it. But and okay. and one other issue with him is he has and he and he stated this he has been asked to do more national broadcasts, which has taken him away from more Kane's broadcasts. So you know, yeah. I think I think as of like two years ago, but let's say even before the ownership change, he was coming up to a fork in the road anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And here yeah. we are. Yeah, he's the rising star of the play-by-play. There's yeah. no two and, ways about it. And honestly, he he should just take a national gig. I don't see him going to the 32nd NHL franchise to be there play-by-play. Hush, play. hush your mouth. I kind of hush your dirty mouth. Hey, it depends. Hey, hey. It depends. Does he want to be based on the East Coast or does I he want will, to be based in the Pacific Northwest? I will. You, you. <laughs> Why haven't you already? <laughs> I will report you to, to to Skype or whomever. Filthy rat. <laughs> Why wouldn't he want to be based here? He lived in he lived in Connecticut for all those years. 
It's a very Connecticut-y vibe up here. What? <laughs> Cassie Hush, I'm selling. He, he definitely it, is not the type of person. Ocean. He is definitely not the type of person who wants to go and retire down in Florida, taking over for a guy whose job he took over God knows how many years ago. He wouldn't want to go live in Florida anyway. No, he he spends his summers in Maine, for goodness sake. Hey, hey, Maine. Yeah, gotta love Maine, right? A little Maine. closer to, you know, things of Scandinavian nature. Yeah, a little more oceany, you know. Mm-hmm. Big evergreen trees. Not that big. Josh. <laughs> Cassie, again, salesmanship. Silence falls as everyone starts reading this article. <laughs> no, um, I, I, no, that's just you and me, guys. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry, sorry. So, so, fairness, so now that we're here, now that we're here in the Pacific Northwest, and we got to end the show. Okay, we, good we night, everyone. Story from the province out of Vancouver. Yes, Cassie, I'm following. <laughs> There was one more thing, one more significant thing, one more thing that Patrick doesn't like, but it happened anyway. <laughs> and that was Seattle has a name. No, Seattle has an entire brand ready to go. And look, I'm I'm not from the region. I have no ties to it. I don't know anything of historical or local significance that I would have liked better. But all I can say is whether... Good, we're what? done. Good conversation, everyone. We're done. <laughs> all right, thanks, for everyone, for listening. In a very un-NHL way, they had a presentation ready to go, and it was a good presentation after Lywicki would shut up with his speech and just, you know, roll the footage. No, but I could hear it because the, the feed I, I had was uh, had no audio. Oh, I had audio all the way. And also, in fairness, because I'm that big of a nerd, I had three different video feeds started just to see which one would beat the NHL.com feed. And so I got to hear it from the onset. And I'll just tell you this, people didn't miss much. Except for maybe audible groans from the construction workers in the crowd. Who, who were probably muttering, we are getting paid for this, right? Yeah. Yep. So. If you're looking for me to say anything, I am on mute. No, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not looking for any. Let me, can I ask you this one question, Patrick? Mm-hmm. If basically the designers, basically if people weren't trying to justify their jobs, trying to write up all these creative tie-ins and this giant oversized brand guideline, would the outcome be more acceptable? Or do you feel like it's just force-fed? No. It's no. No? Okay. No. It's gotten, I have, I have not, oh, how do I put this? I have not paid attention to any of the brand guide. I work for a company that I signed up for the, the branding alias. 
we have a, we have an internal branding thing, um, because I wanted to see what specific fonts were used for Xbox game covers. Because I was doing a photo, so I just gave it away. I work for Microsoft. Wah, wah. What? Um, yes. I know. Shock. <laughs> um, I signed up for an intro because I wanted to see what the fonts were for the back and um, the instruction, you know, when, when they do the blurb about the game, because there are fixed design guides for those things. And I got Photoshop. a, I photoshopped a, a cover for Bailey, the King's ah. mascot, a few years ago. Oh, and I got them printed um, and sent them down to him, and he signed them and auctioned them off for the King's Care Foundation. So it was for NHL 15 or 16, one of those two. Anyway, so I signed up for so I could get access to the graphics and stuff, and I got all this approved through work, amazingly enough. But I got a 75-page PDF for Xbox cover branding guides. I read 60 of them and decided at that point I had made the correct career decision some 30 years ago when I got out of doing design <laughs> and got into programming because the justification for my job being here was in every sentence of those 60 pages that I read. I don't read the design guides or the branding guides. I just looked at it and went, yeah, it's about all they could do. And went, you know, for what they, for what they had, great. I'm, I don't care what the color names are. I make up stupid colors all the time. When I made my franchises in NHL, you know, I'd make my Seattle Metropolitans franchise. I had Electric Moss and Seattle Summer Blue and Seattle Winter Gray. And Cassie knows exactly what colors those are just by me saying them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're real colors. I just, you know, took a color and put some word in front of it. And that's all these guys did. So people going off of the branding guide and all that, whatever. I never looked at it. I saw it come up on my Twitter timeline, and I saw the little arrows pointing to certain things, and I never blew the picture up because I knew what it was. It's got nothing to do with that. So as, as a former East Coast media elite who really didn't care, like, one way or another, I didn't have any emotional investment in what was displayed. I thought everything looked cool and sounded cool. And then I started reading how everything was trying to be shoehorned and making up names for different versions of navy colors. Blue. Now, see, I was trying to avoid getting into any specifics here. That's navy blue. Uh, yeah, it's just like Tar Heel blue. No, it's just sky blue or baby just blue. Been, just... Yeah. I would rather you list off the specific Pantone color than I would you your BS name that you give things. Well, see, here's the thing really quick. Is a lot of them come up with a color that is not listed in Pantone. They name it, and they send it off to Pantone and get it registered as that name. So, yes, there will probably be a boundless blue on the Pantone color chart in a few weeks or a couple years, if not more. So my what? problem was that was that things that were obviously shading had their own name, and I'm like, why? <laughs> you Gradients know, you got, are not a color, right? You have you have three colors. You don't have five. You have three. You don't need the, they, the shadow gradient colors no. being named. They so, have the hue and the saturation the same. They've just changed luminosity. 
Sorry, showing showing my uh, showing my design nerd hand. You see, <clears throat> YK was all the same. No, it wasn't. No, that's Wait, why everything changed. The K. I can follow this because I make maps, and symbology is all about colors. <laughs> well, that's it's all about finding the right RGB code. <laughs> HSL is where it's at, though. Let me mm. tell you. Oh dear God in heaven! <laughs> I have a degree in marketing and I ran away from that industry after about six years of working in it. Ugh. So, anyway, no, I mean, I like the colors. Um, I know Patrick doesn't like the name so much. I don't like the nicknames that will associate come with it, and I know that yeah, that's a part I, of it. I understand that you can't have one without the other, but I do like the name. Um... And uh, the design I thought was was very tasteful. I thought it was the, the jersey design I thought was very, very tastefully done, considering the color scheme they had. Since everyone likes to steal our stuff, I'm going to steal a um, Too Many Man podcast bit and go with an FMK here. Oh! Okay. I, I am killing the nickname. I will bury it in peat moss, dig it up six months later, move it to another place, and bury it in peat moss again. No. Uh, no. I will F the sweaters. Or the, I, I mean, yeah, I will F the sweaters that we saw. Eh. They're, they, they'll be interesting for the first time, but after that I'll get sick of them. And I will marry the color scheme. I don't care that it's basically a slight derivation from the Winnipeg Jets. It's not about the actual colors. It's about the application of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And if they do what I suspect they're going to do, which is bring back a, a Metropolitan-style three-color striped sweater as a third or fourth with those three colors in them, oh, and that, and that anchor Seattle Space Needle anchor, logo. that secondary logo sitting in there, or... They do what I would love for them to do. It would be a, do a diagonal Seattle across the front of the sweater in a really cool font. I'd be down for that. I would be. I'd be all over those. Oh yeah. Like a bad date. All over uh, those like a bad date. Like a. I'd be all over those <laughs> like a prom date I paid for. <laughs> <laughs> Can we? Uh... So I imagine you both seen the picture of the guy's tattoo because some guy had to be the first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to see that where that, they yeah. incorporated the two, the primary and the secondary marks together on whatever the fourth jersey is. That that actually was an unbelievably cool design. Yes, you know, it they, looked they really of, well done. It, yeah, it yeah. turned out really well too. Yeah. Well, wait a couple of years when they yeah they just started fading. Yeah, because but. Yeah, so I want to see that on the fourth. Give the homage to the Metropolitans with the third. Although honestly, that should be what they uh, wear on opening night. Well, it. Well, they'll just they'll just switch at some point. I will say one thing. One very good comment I did hear. Whether you like the the color scheme or not, I think they have a good template that can be adjusted and modified and. And updated as time goes on. 
Yeah. Like it's a good starting point. Let's just let's just put it to you that way, because no logo should ever stay the same because it should evolve as time and society evolve. Well, bad example for the U.S. Any U.S. based teams <laughs> right now? Um, Chicago Blackhawks. Because I, I I think I wrote this in my show notes. Um, You're right. The you Detroit. Have, you have I, show notes. I do. God, someday <laughs> you need to share those with us. Anyway, um, the uh, I think the Detroit Red Wings are the only arbitrary sixteen that have a good logo because it it's detailed and it's stood the test of time. Where everything else is just kind of meh. Here's some le- boring letters. You don't dig the spoke B? No, it's. You don't dig the Rangers? With no, just the Rangers. No. The, you mean you mean the creators of diagonal type who will be busy with your third jersey idea, which I will love. Which and everyone will be like, oh, I see they went with the jer- with the uh, Rangers nameplate thing, and it'll look better <laughs> than the Rangers jerseys. <clears throat> yeah, and nobody ever complained when Pittsburgh did it. I'm just saying. Well, yeah. You know, nobody ever complained no. when Pittsburgh did it, or Colorado did it with their glorious Sherbert third. That was I liked that jersey, I the, like the burgundy one with the. Oh but, yeah. But oh. but if a God southeast team, if a southeast United States team does it on their third jersey and uses a team nickname, oh, it's just blasphemy. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, Sunbelt, hello, and but I don't know. I I don't know if Seattle will get a pass. I think it'll be split. I think it'll be the the haters that'll do the oh they did the Rangers thing, and the people who are like we love it. And we and you know what we can do is turn around and say well we won a cup before you guys did so shut your <laughs> pie holes. There you go. So you know just, like like I said opening night you know Jeff Merrick stole my idea although two people having the same idea <laughs> that can't happen. There should be a Stanley Cup banner raising for 1917, and as we have discussed, which Jeff Merrick also stole, by the way, opening night should be the Habs and the and the Cracker Barrels playing the final game of the 1919 Cup, oh. and yep. then Seattle should retire jerseys number 19 and 17 and call it a, and call it good. Yep. The Cracker Barrels. I concur. The squids, although the squid technically they're, they're octopus. Yeah, see, and that's the thing. Other people are trying to, hey, you call them the squid squad. No. You can't even say technically because the damn thing doesn't exist. Okay, I'm going to stop before I rant. So, uh, I don't right. mind it being a mythical beast, but come on. I mean, in, in, the, in, in the whole, like, branding, it says it's an octopus. <laughs> All right, let, let, written everywhere. <laughs> let me rattle off a few things written in my show notes. Um, a Detroit, uh, you don't have a mascot. You don't. I have not heard any Detroit fans, at least the ones that I follow, complain about that. As a matter of fact, I've seen an, a couple of them say, "Oh, we're octopus logo buddies" or something like that. So I haven't seen any like anyone being really angry about that. They don't have a mascot. Hell no. isn't a real thing. It's just a thing that's put out there from time to time. Uh, two, because it does I li- hang from the ceiling in the Little Caesars Arena. I'm just saying. Yeah. So, was- so does a helmet in Vegas, and a helmet isn't the mascot. No, but they don't bring the octopus down for the players to skate through. It's just there. Yeah. 
It's, well, it's, I it's mean, an inanimate suspended mascot. The whole thing was was based anyway on on eight wins to get to the you know to win the Stanley Cup, and so that's why they picked the octopus. So now they aren't you on the ice because now it's sixteen. Anyway, number two, uh, the fact that this kind of annoyed Keith Olbermann too. Just just told me, okay, they probably made a good marketing decision because pissing, pissing off old white men, sorry, Patrick, um, is probably for the best. I showed everything to my kids, and they're like, that looks cool. Can we go there? Because let me ask you this. What did you think? I mean, it, I'm no, we're not big basketball fans, but apparently there was a bunch of outrage like this when the Toronto Raptors were named the Toronto Raptors after, you know, Jurassic Park came out. You know, you know what I, I'll say. I'll say the exact same thing I told uh, people that I was getting in uh, fights with. Fights, haha. <laughs> That's not my backyard. I don't care. That's your problem, not mine. This is mine. I live here. This is my problem. And what, do I have... Have, what do Flyers have to do with Philip? I don't care. That's not me. That was sixty-seven. Go back in time and complain about it to them. And you know. here's what I'll say to you. I have no problem with your complaints. Uh, Keith Olbermann doesn't live in your backyard. Ah. And neither does Chris Long from Minneapolis-St. Paul. I have no time for people who say it's the stupidest thing since the Raptors. Yeah. I, uh, whatever. Now, Olbermann, oh, my young man, did work he, in Seattle for a while. For a while, but it's not his home. He's... His heart is in Brooklyn. Forever. Okay, so I, I echo his sentiments then. So no, far. and he does, he made an actual well-reasoned argument. He said everything they did was well-executed. He just doesn't like it. Yeah. And although I will say, when he says it feels like a minor league baseball rebranding, is that such a bad thing? Because... Yeah, I know. I, I, I saw people I, saying it was supposed to be a, a or the, it reminded them of a minor league hockey team, and I'm like, but the IHL had some really cool like jerseys. I'm sorry, they're not the Macon Whoopie. They're they're not. Or the Wheeling Nailers. Yeah, they're not. And uh, you know, hey, and hey, we there are other sports teams named after articles of clothing, like socks and pants. So oh, that's again. Wow, that's like saying, okay, syphilis or gonorrhea. You know, that's putting up two bad choices and saying, you know, which one's worse. No, it's let's stop holding up what's existed for 100 years as something that's that great. Like, you can dislike this all you want, but it's just like. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. As the outsider, (laughs) I kind of like what they have, but I can't argue that you dislike it because I don't live in the. I don't live in Seattle, and I get it. Yeah, uh, no one has to like it. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Because, as right. we all know, ho- hockey fans are conditioned to be mad for a while, and then we watch shit anyway. <sighs> well, see, that's the beautiful thing about me being a recovering habaholic, is I don't have a team, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. You know, ultimately, I can just be like, Ugh, God, it's embarrassing. But, oh, well, it's not like I'm buying season tickets anytime soon. Seriously. Um, And hey, their logo's not a toilet bowl. Okay. (laughs) And speaking of toilet bowl logos. Or uterus. 
Speaking of toilet, oh, the sweater. Mooderous was such a great sweater. I, I can't I, believe that I, ever made it for, designs. I did play for a rec league team where we use that sweater, and it works very well. Oh, the Mooderous sweater was just <laughs> my God! Somebody oh, looked at geez. that. Wait, yeah, that looks exactly like. Oh crap! It looks like that thing too. After they release it, uh-huh. you know, invariably that's always what happens, right? Yeah. You just you just get such a case of tunnel vision about a design idea that you cannot see off axis, and when somebody sees off axis or sees it for the first time, and goes, you know, that looks exactly like. Oh, that's such a beautiful moment. Yeah, I I have that with mapping. It's like I, I make a map and then I print it out and then I'm like, oh, <laughs> that looks entirely too much like. Um, hmm. <clears throat> Like on the screen, I'm like, oh, it's great. This is going to be good. And then I print it out and I'm like, yeah, no, I don't know. That's misspelled and I don't like that. And that's not labeled. And <laughs> um, A friend of mine who just started working at the company I worked for, as we've now discovered, um, moved in from his wife was doing her residency in Florida. And she was finally able to move up here with him a couple weeks ago. And he pinged me and asked me, what did I think about everything, about the name? And, I, and he goes specifically about the design of the logo. And I said, there's two things they did that were brilliant. They didn't tie themselves into an image of a Kraken. And, yeah. and the way they incorporated the colors leaves them a lot of room to do other things with that logo. But first and foremost, they... You know, it's almost like the Jaws effect, right? You never see the shark until like the second reel of the movie, as they say, until the second half of the movie. The now, now the who's stealing face. stuff from other podcasts? Jeff Merrick would say. Okay, Jeff is always. Oh boy. I know he's hitting you up for ideas so he yes, can write he his show notes. I understand. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I like the notion because this wasn't called out. But when I looked at it, if you sort of treat, if you sort of treat the bottom of the S like the the crest of a wave, and you see the tentacle coming up through there, it's that hint of mystery, right? Um, so that's you know, that's the only thing they could do without tying themselves into an image of a kraken, which I don't care if it's not real or not, it's not from this region. Um, so, you know, that, like you said, Pat, you know, the updates and the refreshes that are invariably going to happen to the colors and the logos and stuff, they didn't bind themselves into it. Because I watch Sharks fans go apoplectic when they change certain things on the shark head or the shark choking on the hockey stick that it bites in half. Um and then they've got this new screaming shark that has no hockey stick in it, which they're slowly trying to incorporate and soften the ground, and maybe this will become our primary logo. It's uh, Anytime they change anything about the shark, they go bonkers because they tied themselves into a shark, which they had to. Because it's the sharks. But they could still like do something sharky. And change the logo completely, but, you know. Yeah, well, hell, you change. The the one they have now, they call it the shark with the toupee. 
because of the way they did the colors to sort of indicate the line of demarcation from the left half to the right half of the shark, they say it makes it look like it's wearing a toupee. So I'm like, you know, yeah. So uh, they did what they they did the best they could with what they were given, which just says to me, had they been something, given something better, they might have done something better. Uh, and with that, mute. All right, so I mentioned a toilet bowl earlier, which is clearly a reference for my local team, the Carolina Hurricanes, which are cur- currently they have encouraged fans to um, park their cars around the outside of the arena as they get ready to send off players who are getting ready to head to the airport and fly to Toronto in roughly 15, 20 minutes. If Seattle Kurt had an actively playing team heading to a bubble, what would the local fans do to send off their team? This has been the 3v3 podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3 podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees. And you pray that you will find someone warm and sweet and kind. But you're not sure what's waiting there for you The bluest skies you've ever seen are in Seattle And the hills, the greenest green in Seattle Like a beautiful child growing up free and wild Full of hopes and full of